Well, good morning, church family. It is so good to have you with us this morning. I want to say hello to everybody out there online. We appreciate you joining in with us. Also want to say hello to Summerall and hello to Columbia. We love you guys, and we are so grateful for all that you guys do and all that you are. If you're visiting with us today, if you're here for the first time, man, we're excited to have you. We are in a series on the book of Revelation. And in this time and the season of our life and of our world, we felt like it was necessary to begin to look through some things that the book of Revelation said. Uh, one of the reasons is, is because I want our church to be informed about the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? And the second reason is, I believe even me, I can understand it. And if I can understand it, I believe everybody can. And I want to try to attempt to teach it in a way where everybody can get it. I pray that this message fills you full of hope. I pray that this message excites you about Jesus and his return and all that he has in store for us as believers in Christ. And we're going to begin today by a word of prayer. So if you would, you bow your heads with us and let's pray. Father, uh, it is in the name of Jesus that we come this morning, and we pray, Father, over every person, over every heart, over every ear that listens to this word, that, God, it would be a word that uh, excites them, Lord, and informs them, Lord, about your word and your coming. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you got your Bible, you can open up to Revelation chapter 4 is where we're going to be. And let me explain to you, and I explained this last week, the way we're going to do this is the front end of the message is going to be informative, and so you're going to get some information. The back end of this message is going to be application, because what good is information if you don't know how to use the information that you know? And so we want to teach you how to use this information. Last week, and I'm going to be going pretty fast, so you got to hang with me. If you, you can go back and listen to this message online. If, um, in, in, in last week, we talked about Revelation 1 and how John wrote the book or reported the book from a, a vision that he had uh, on the Isle of Patmos, and it's one singular vision. And we talked about how the emphasis of the book is Jesus Christ and how the background of the book is apocalyptic and how the purpose of the book is to tell us us what is to come. And today we're going to begin looking at some of that stuff and we're going to begin reading in Revelation chapter 1 or chapter 4 verse number 1. Excuse me. Look at the screen there um, in front of you or you can look at your Bibles if you have them with you. It says, then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here. Come up here. And I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the spirit. And I saw a throne. We're going to talk about that a lot today. In heaven. And someone sitting on it. Now here, John has clearly entered heaven. There is this door, and he walks through this door, and he's entered into heaven. And we, we see, we get a glimpse of what's going on in heaven uh, as, as much as our language, our vernacular can understand what's going on in heaven. I think it's interesting to point out here that it's not a long distance into heaven. Some people say that this was a vision that John had or a dream that John had, but from biblical context, we see that John was actually in heaven heaven, in the dimension of heaven, and it was in the twinkling of an eye, just in a moment. 
And it tells us that that's the way the rapture will happen. And we're going to talk about the rapture next week. And the rapture is when those believers who are alive in Christ, 2 Thessalonians 4, 13, uh, 4, 16 and 17 says, will be caught up in an instant and we will be with the Lord. And John in this moment is caught up and he is with the Lord. And we need to know that you and I, we're going to read a lot of stuff that's going to happen, but we ain't going to be here. Because after this chapter, you don't find the church anywhere in the book of Revelation. And so we can take assurance that we're going to be with Jesus. And John, in this moment, is with Jesus. And he's up in heaven. And he sees a throne. A throne. And he looks at this throne. And everything in this chapter is focused on this throne. In the whole New Testament, you find the, the word throne mentioned about 11 times. In the book of Revelation right here, you hear the word throne mentioned 42 times. And so if it's mentioned that many times, it is a very important piece. And I want to read what I'm going to do is we're going to see what's going on at the throne here in the book of Revelation. So in, so the first thing we see happen in the, at the throne is around the throne, there's a rainbow. Around the throne, there's a rainbow. And it says in verse number three, read with me. One, the one sitting on the throne was brilliant as gemstones. And he names two different gemstones, Jasper and Carnelian. Jasper would have been a very pure, uh, clear gemstone. And Carnelian would have been a very red, bright, vibrant gemstone. On the priest's garment, there were 12 stones signifying the 12 tribes of Israel. The first stone would have been a jasper stone signifying the purity of Christ and also the beginning. The last stone being red would have signified the blood of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ signifying also the end. So he's saying on this throne there is the beginning and the end. And the glow of an emerald circled the throne like a rainbow. So around the throne it circled it was a rainbow. When you think about rainbow in the Bible, what do you think about not rainbow on earth rainbow in the bible you think about the ark you think about noah and you think about a promise so around the throne there is a rainbow signifying that the throne is a place of promise from the throne secondly from the throne there was lightning and thunder lightning and thunder look at what it says in verse five from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God, lightning and thunder. Lightning and thunder represent the judgment of God. At this throne, there will be judgment. What will God judge? God will judge sin because Jesus died for sin. I saw someone the other day that said, only God can judge me. And I thought to myself, my brother, he will. He will. At the throne, there is judgment. So encircled the throne is a, is a rainbow of promise. There's also judgment. Let's continue to look at what's in the throne. Everybody hang with me. Surrounding the throne were four living creatures. Four living creatures. Everybody says this is where it gets kind of weird. There's four living creatures surrounding the throne. In the center, look at what it says. In verse 6, in the center and around the throne were four living beings. 
each covered in eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion, which the lion in Scripture signifies power. You've heard it said the lion of Judah, the power. The second was like an ox. It, that signifies the faithfulness of God, the, the patience of God, the timelessness of God. The third had a human face, which represents the knowledge of God. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight, which represents the sovereignty of God. So you got these four creatures, and one of them is a lion, and he's all-powerful. All the power is at the throne. You have the next one where it's timeless, this ox, all time, all presence. God's everywhere is at the throne. Then you have all knowledge in the human face. Then you have the sovereignty of God at the throne. And all of these, look at what it says, the fourth was like an eagle, and each of the living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. So they've got these wings, which means they can be at the service of God at any moment, and these eyes, they see everything at all times. They see all things at all times and can be anywhere at all times. Day after day and night after night, they keep saying these things. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is the song that they're singing. And what's interesting about this is Ezekiel chapter 1 and Isaiah chapter 6 report going into heaven and seeing visions in heaven hundreds of years prior to what happened here in John. And they explain and they describe the same characters around the throne as John did in the book of Revelation, which tells me in totally separate situations, they saw the same thing and they heard them singing the same song, holy, 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 holy. And they've been singing this song from Isaiah to John, which is hundreds and hundreds of years apart. They've been singing this song, holy, 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 and it's never gotten old. Things never get old in heaven. So when they said holy and they raised back up, there was a whole other thing to see God was holy about. And they go back down and say holy. And when they come back up, he's more holy. And they go down. And, and for all of eternity, God in his in, infinite holiness is becoming worshipped, is worshipped through this holiness. How many of you know that's an incredible, incredible thing? Then we find surrounding the throne were four creatures, and then before the throne were 24 elders. Look at what it says in verse 10. And the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, 24 elders representing all believers for all times. They had these white garments on which represented their righteousness, the righteousness that Christ had given them. And they had these crowns on, the crown of glory that God had given them. And they take these crowns and they lay them and they say, we cannot wear this crown. We are not worthy to wear this crown in the presence of God. And they're worshiping God in this moment. Do you get this picture? Are you imagining this in your mind? Don't leave me here because this is such an incredible moment. And then we go on to see in Revelation chapter 5, there's a scroll. And this scroll begins to unveil some of the end time events. 
He says, then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. And there was writing on the inside and there was writing on the outside of the scroll. And it was sealed with seven seals. Seven seals, not five seals, but seven seals. It's important to know that these seven seals signify what they would have done back in this day when they had an inheritance. When someone had an inheritance and they wrote a last will and testament, they would have seven witnesses there, and each one of those witnesses would take a drop of wax, put it on the seal, and take their signet ring, and they would press that ring into that, and they would seal that scroll. So this scroll had been sealed with seven seals representing an inheritance that would come. And in that moment, the only one person who was worthy could open the scroll. That one that they would call in this time a kinsman redeemer. So in verse number two, it says, And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice. A strong angel with a loud voice. There wasn't some weak angel that was on the bottom of the, he wasn't no scrub. He was like the starter. He was a strong angel with a loud voice that shouted, Who is worthy? to break the seals on the scroll and open it. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Who is able to do this? Who has earned the right to do this? Who is worthy? And only the kinsman redeemer. And get this with me. We're going to wind this part up. It says, then I saw a lamb. Verse 6. Look at what it says. Look there on your screen. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. Now, this is in heaven which means this lamb has scars on it. This lamb looks beaten. The only scars that will be in heaven are the ones that are on the lamb, the perfect lamb of God. But it was now standing between the throne and those four living creatures and among the 24 elders, and it had seven horns. This book is a number of sevens because seven is the number of completeness of wholeness, of finality. It's complete. So he had seven horns. Well, why do you got seven horns? That's weird. Seven horns represent, horns represent power. And he is saying that it, he has, this lamb that has been slaughtered has seven horns representing he has complete power. Then he's got seven eyes, meaning he has complete knowledge. He sees everything. This lamb has all power, has all knowledge, and, he re- and then which represents the sevenfold spirit of God. The sevenfold spirit of God represents that he has complete presence. He's everywhere. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, and he's all places of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. Verse 7, he stepped forward and he took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. I also would say, notice this. He noticed he had seven horns, seven eyes, and seven spirits. Seven, seven, seven. Everybody wants to make a big deal out of six, six, six. But before there was six, 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 there were seven, seven, seven. Oh, come on, somebody. That's pretty good. Seven, that God is complete overall. Verse 11, we'll finish this up. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands, and then he just jumps up. Oh, it's more than that. It's millions of angels around the throne, and of the living beings, and of the elders, and they sang a mighty chorus. They sang a new song. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power 
and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. I just have one Greek word that I, that I think of when I hear all that. And that Greek word is wow. <laughs> wow. It's not really a Greek word. Wow. Can you imagine this in your mind? All of these things happening. All of this, th this incredible sight that John saw. Around the throne, there's a rainbow with these four living creatures crying out, holy, 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 day and night, day and night. It's an incredible, incredible moment that's happening around the throne of God. So what are we supposed to do with that? That's the information portion of Revelation. Now, how are we to apply that to our life, preacher? Preacher, how am I going to use that on Tuesday? I mean, it's, it's good stuff, but how am I supposed to use that? Well, here's what I feel like the Lord wanted me to preach to you, is he wants me to tell you that we have to get our heart up in heaven and heaven down in our heart. We got to get our heart up in heaven and our heaven down in our heart. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, he said, come up here. And I believe that's the word. And for the few moments that I have left with you that I'm going to get to preach to you, for those of you sitting in this room right now, for those of you sitting at home online right now, what I want to preach to you is you've got to get heaven down in your heart, and you've got to get your heart up in heaven. You see, what the devil wants you to do is he wants to get your mind here on this earth, and he wants to get your mind off of heaven. You've heard it said before that he's so heavenly-minded He's no earthly good. Y'all heard that before? I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know what is true. There's a whole lot of people who are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. You see, the devil wants to get your mind on all the problems of the world so that you don't focus on all the promises of God. God, he wants you to focus on all of this stuff that is really passing away when there are some things that are permanent that will not pass away. He wants to get our mind off of heaven and on this earth. And if, if some of you are still like feel like the need to, to, to look at the news media and if you still feel like you need to get on social media and, and watch some of this stuff. And I'm just telling you, if you're watching this right now on YouTube, if you're watching this on Facebook, this is probably the only truth you're going to find anywhere on all of that stuff. But I'm glad you're watching this right now where you're at because it is true because we're getting our mind off of this earth. We're getting our mind up in heaven and it changes the atmosphere of our heart and our mind and our dynamic. We need to get our mind on the throne. We need to get our mind on, of the, on that because the earth will bring us down. Right now, you know what, y'all? There is no worry. There is no fret in heaven because they're not thinking about earth. They're in heaven. There is no worry in heaven. There's only worship in heaven. And where worship is, worry can't exist. The two can't coexist. Worship and worry cannot coexist. It's like light and dark. Light cannot exist. Darkness cannot exist where light exists. In fact, there probably isn't even a, a such thing as darkness. We can just say there's an absence of light. 
And I know that worry is natural and we're all going to worry at times, but I would say to you that there isn't even a thing called worry. There is just an absence of worship because where the absence of worship is, that's where worry will be. And where worry is, there is no worship. And that's the reason everybody in heaven ain't worried is because they're worshiping. And I'm telling you, when we choose to worship, our worry goes away. But when we choose to worry, we cannot worship. And when we get our mind in heaven, that's when we will worship, that there are those around the throne worshiping right now. And we need to choose to worship it out instead of worry it out. Say this with me. Worry don't work. So worship don't worry. Worry don't work. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what the Lord told me to do, okay? I'm going to do what the Lord told me to do. Then I'm going to trust him with what I can't do. But through it all, I'm going to worship. I'm going to worship. Come on, somebody. We got to get our mind up in heaven. We've got to get heaven on our mind. It changes the atmosphere. Right now, if we get our mind on the throne, heaven is a real place. It's not some imaginary Disney world that somebody animator created and it's like some thing that you saw on a picture. No, heaven is a real place. It's mentioned 316 times in the New Testament, which tells me that that is something that we need to get our mind on. Come on, I grew up I grew up leading, singing in a church. I, I grew up leading, singing in a church. And, 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 and man, we would sing these songs about heaven. I just think sometimes we need to get back to some of these old songs that sing about heaven. We, I remember we'd get up there, and this was kind of like a chorus for us. It wasn't like straight out of the hymnal. But we had sing, soon and very soon. I'm going to see the king. Soon and very soon. No more crying there. And we'd get in there, and even, even us that didn't have a whole lot of pep, we'd soon and very soon, we'd go in and sing. I, I sang with this little quartet one time, and this little quartet, we'd had, we had, we had sing, I got heaven on my mind. I'm feeling mighty fine. I got heaven on my mind. I, when I get down, I got heaven on my mind. And I believe if, when, when you get depressed, get heaven on your mind. When you get angry, Get heaven on your mind. When you get frustrated with this world, get heaven on your mind. Because heaven ain't changed, y'all. Heaven is the same today as it was every day. I, one of the coolest things in, in our world today, I think, in my, my little non-technological mind, is these Bluetooth speakers. Aren't they incredible? You remember I had to run a, a wire? You remember that old, old um, uh, five-changer CD player cassette tape combo that you had, and you had to take them two wires? And you had to plug them up to the back of that. Y'all remember that? that? Those days are gone, aren't they, with these Bluetooth speakers? It's incredible. You just push that little Bluetooth speaker, and if you've got some devices around, it'll choose which device it wants to. And, it's just, and it just the sound that comes out of the Bluetooth speaker is what device it's connected to. So, so when I'm at my house, it, my, my wife's phone will be there, and my computer will be there, and my phone will be there, and I'll click my Spotify playlist, and I'll pop it up there on my Bluetooth speaker, and we've got sound coming out because it's connected to my phone. And my friends, we're a lot like Bluetooth speakers. We're wireless, but we're connected to something. We're either connected to heaven or we're connected to earth. And whatever you're connected to is the sound that's going to come out of you. If, you. if all that comes out of you is bitterness, if all that comes out of you is worry, I don't know, I don't know. If all's coming out of you, 
It's because your heart is connected to the things of this world. But if, it, if praise comes out of you, if faith comes out of you, if strong strength comes out of you, if courage comes out of you, my friends, it's because we're connected to heaven. Is everybody with me today? Stay with me. I know that, that, that we've went through a lot, but you need to get heaven downloaded into your heart so that you can, you can, you can make it in this world and, in fact, live above this world. I, I can, I can, can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? I can only imagine what it'll be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. Will I dance for you, Jesus? Will I, or in all of you, be still? Will I bow before you? Will I stand? What will I do? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I sang that at funerals so many times. I've preached and sang funerals. And I used to, man, I used to hate funerals. used to dread them. And I don't look forward to them now. But if I know the person's a believer in Jesus Christ and submitted their life to them now, I don't have a huge problem with doing them because I can stand in front of them and I can tell them that your loved one is with the Lord. He's, it's no doubt in my mind. Now, weddings is a different story. I can't give you no promise on a wedding. Good luck with that. I do, I do. All right, good luck. You had a good wedding. Now go have a good marriage. I don't know about that, but at a funeral, I can tell you that, brother, it, you, you, if you've trusted Jesus Christ, you can know that you know that it's going to be okay and your loved one is with the Lord. You know, a lot of us, a lot of us really, uh, we want to go to heaven, just maybe not right now. You know, um, we want to be there, but we really like it down here. We really like it where we are. It's kind of like that lady who was in the church and her preacher stood up and he said, who wants to go to heaven? Raise your hand. And few of them raise their hand, and like a lot of us preachers do, because a lot of y'all just kind of quit listening like you have right now, we have to say it again. Uh, who wants to go to heaven? Raise your hand. And then everybody in the church raised their hand, except for this one little lady right there on the front row. She didn't raise her hand. And he said, well, Miss Myrtle, you don't want to go to heaven someday? And she said, oh, I want to go someday. I thought you was getting up a group to go today. You see, she wants to go, but she just didn't want to go today. And I wonder why that is. Like, what's our concept of heaven? Are we all going to be like little fat babies, little naked babies with harps? And, you know, or is that where we're going to float around on, on the cloud? That don't sound like heaven, does it? Are we going to, like, have an, are we going to have to, like, wear a robe that's real tight around our collar here, like, real tight, and we're going to sing, hallelujah, ha, is that what we're going to do? I don't think that's heaven. That sounds more like the other place to me. It doesn't sound like heaven. The Bible says in Revelation that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And in that new heaven and that new earth, there will be no more crying, no more weeping. And I just wrote a few things down. There will be no more funeral homes, no more caskets, no more headstones, no more suicide. In heaven, there will be no hospitals. There will be no ventilators. There'll be no ICU rooms. There'll be no medication. There, there'll be no uh, cancer. There'll be no COVID. There'll be no heart attacks. In heaven, there'll be no courtrooms. 
There'll be no, no divorce court. There'll be no lawsuits. There'll be no Judge Judy. If Judge Judy makes it to heaven, she's going to have to find her a new occupation. Come on, somebody. There'll be no rehabs. There'll be no addiction, no heroin, no cocaine, no needles. In, in heaven, there'll be no police stations. There'll be no looting, no shooting. There'll be no, uh, no, no gangs, no race wars, no prejudices. There's, in heaven, there'll be no hurt feelings, no depression, no anxiety, no arguments, no tears, no pain, no, no feelings of being left out. Come on, this is my personal list. In heaven, there'll be no rust. Come on, there'll be no news media, no NBC, no ABC, no Fox, no government. There'll be no, no flies in heaven. Can I get a witness in the house? There'll be no c cutting grass in heaven. Hallelujah. There'll be no calories in heaven. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. There, there'll be no hair loss in heaven. Praise Jesus. There, there'll be no more taking out the trash every day in heaven. That's just my personal, personal opinion. Just kidding. So it's a great place, right? And we all want to go there one day. So why is our world so crazy? Why is our world so messed up? Could it be that they really don't believe in heaven? That they really don't believe that there is a place called heaven? Could it be like they're like John Lennon who said, imagine there is no heaven. Imagine all the people just living for today. Could it be that many people have bought into Marxism that says there is no life after life? Could it be that the reason our world is so impure and so vulgar and so angry is because this is all they got? Because you and me, if we're followers of Jesus, we got more than this. <laughs> hey, y'all, heaven's better than the United States. Hey, I'll even say this. Heaven's better than Mississippi. That's tough to say. I think we're closest to it, don't y'all? <laughs> Heaven's going to be a place where we want to go. And you know, for some of us today, you're real connected to this world. And my friends, you've got to get heaven downloaded into your heart. And you've got to get your heart up in heaven. I pray this is a word for somebody that's listening today. I'm going to ask you if you would right now, wherever you're at, I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me right where you are. And I want to ask you, do you know that when you leave this earth, you will go to heaven? Because hell is very real too. We've talked a lot about heaven today, but hell is a very real place as well. And I want to know that every person that listens to my voice right now and has listened to this word that I've preached, and I feel like I've been faithful, knows that they're going to heaven. So right now, where you are, if you don't know that you're going to be with the Lord and you're going to be in heaven when you leave this earth and you pass from this earth. I want to offer you salvation as simply as I know how to offer it. The Bible says you don't get into heaven because you're a good person. The Bible says you don't get into heaven because you're a Baptist or a Methodist or a Catholic. You get into heaven because you have trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior and he has forgiven you of all of your sins. And today, if you would like to make that step in your life, I want to invite you to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Right where you are, right now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask you to say this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe 
Jesus Christ died for my sins. I put my trust in the cross of Calvary, and I confess him as my Lord and my Savior. Now tell him this. Say thank you for saving my soul and writing my name down in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone look at me. If you prayed that prayer today, we believe based on the word of God that you got born again. You're saved and you're going to heaven. We would love to follow up with you. If you're listening online, we'd love for you to follow up with us in, in the message box. If you're at a campus, we'd love for you to come and speak with your campus pastor and let him know that you decided to follow the Lord today.